and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about season five, episode six, boardroom and a parked place. Like in Monopoly. All right, so we're going to do the episode description right away so that we can just tell you that it's wrong. (laughs) All right, here we go. Will's budding interest in a fellow lawyer at his office is nipped upon the arrival of the firm's aggressive new boss, who whips the troops into shape and orders Will to fire his friend until Will discovers the real reason behind the false bravado. So that's not what happens. I disagree. At all. I totally... Okay, so there's a small scene at the beginning of the episode where Will is at a meeting. And listeners, you can decide, or watch the episode and decide for yourselves, but Will is clearly flirting with a new colleague who has the opera seats from the firm, and he's really grumpy because he's like, oh man, I want the opera seats. And clearly he's leading up to, oh, you should come to the opera with me, and then Will gets laid, and then Will gets married, and then Will is happily ever after, and the show is over. Yeah, except what actually happens is Gene Wilder shows up, and none of those things happen. That is true. Gene Wilder does kind of derail that entire plot line. Yeah. But it's Gene Wilder! I, I'm still just beyond confused about Hulu's description of this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, what What episode? That's a different show. You be nice or I'll start singing Pure Imagination on this podcast. Come with me, Andros. And not like that. So, Gene Wilder is kind of one of those classic Will and Grace guest stars that always gets trotted out. It's like an example of Will and Grace's amazing guest star song casting. Mm-hmm. I have some different opinions about that. <laughs> Tess is a real buzzkill this week. I've decided I realized that I actually hate all of Will and Grace's guest stars. I think the best one they've used is the revival use of Ben Platt because it was actually plot relevant. Oh, the revival use of Ben Platt. I just mean, uh, it seems like the show, especially once it kind of hit its peak guest star use heyday it's just the plot whenever the guest star is there is um this is a famous person so we're just gonna let them do whatever the fuck they feel like for the entire episode see i feel like you're really misunderstanding the point of a guest star which is that when the guest star shows up they get to do whatever they want and that makes a really interesting episode except it doesn't because sometimes i'm willing grace it doesn't I just mean, like, the Cher episode where Cher being there had nothing to do with anything. Ah, uh, but what about the Cher times? episode where Cher was in Jack's dream? That was so important. Okay, admittedly that one at least had something to do with the plot. Yeah. I just mean, this didn't happen. We don't see anything to do with, really, Will's entire life, because we know as soon as the episode ends, it's probably going back to normal. Right, but the point is that, like, you get this slice of life, and then, like, the guest star punches up the slice of life. Like, but it does I'll, I'll give you that sometimes Will and Grace does some stunt guest casting. And it's like, like this one. Well, like Sandra Bernhard. Who isn't even famous enough to do that? Well, that's fair too, but... I just mean, Gene Wilder, this entire episode, shows up just to be like, I'm Willy Wonka! That's why you hired Gene Wilder! <laughs> but why did that need to happen on this show? Why didn't it need to happen on this show? It didn't. The end. Goodbye. <laughs> I just... The setup of the episode is that Gene Wilder is one of the two original partners of Will's firm. And Ben Doucette has left. Because that's probably good for everyone. Frankly, I'm excited because I hated Ben. And now this new partner has come back from the London office, which is probably a reference to something funny, but I don't know what it is. There isn't a London office. He's just crazy. And, like, that's actually kind of funny, in my opinion. Like, not like, oh, he's crazy. Like, that's hilarious. Like, I mean, like, Gene Wilder plays crazy really good 
Like, he is completely batshit. Clearly kind of brilliant. Clearly kind of evil. Yeah, I just didn't think it was that great of an episode. Because it just repeats the same patterns a bunch. So, we, That's okay. June Wilder's crazy, and he was in the mental hospital, and the London office was always in quotes, and he is too scared to actually do anything because he doesn't feel ready. Mm -hmm. And so he becomes entirely reliant on Will in this really infantile way, so like he can't even sign his own name. Will has to help him order at a restaurant. He goes and gets sushi, and he's like, this fish isn't cooked. And he's like, it's just, I don't know. He keeps firing people to like advance Will's career, and I'm over it. And I think that's kind of, like... My personal critique of this episode is I feel like it could have taken its conceit a lot further and had Will actually be like, hey, like, this isn't cool without everyone at work having to hate him first. Right, yeah. I mean, and, like, that's the other frustrating thing is when we do finally get the scene where he attempts to confront Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder is just, again, crazy, and it doesn't (laughs) go well. He is upset that his sushi is uncooked fish. Like, I'm just like, go back to Nana's change purse. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the other thing is that Gene Wilder is just such an ad-lib, friendly comedian that, like, like he's used to working with, like, Mel Brooks and, like, right, other I'm, comedy legends. Like, he just says batshit things this episode, and I, I don't see how you don't enjoy that. I just mean, I just know for a fact that the script of this episode must have been, like, and then Gene Wilder will say something funny, and then Will will have to react in these very constricted and tight lines regardless. Okay, but when Karen says something crazy, you go nuts for it. Because it works. It makes sense. And it's written to fit the tone of the show. Well, when he says things, it literally was like nonsense half the time. I don't know. But see, I think that's the the advantage of this role is that this is a character who does upend the normal flow of the show. I mean, Will's work is so boring that we don't normally even see it. I like it that way. I prefer not to see Will's work. I just, I don't know. I just, I thought this was a bad episode. I don't think it does anything to advance the show at all. I thought that this being the A-plot was just tedious. And frankly, I want to keep Gene Wilder in movies where Gene Wilder belongs. Well, you are wrong. Well, that only took six minutes. Do we still have to do the rest of the episode? (laughs) Um, I will say that one thing that I, like, that Tess and I think kind of agreed on is that Considering that she doesn't really like seeing Will's work, you did say that you felt like it was a good representation of what an office is like. Oh, yeah. It was, like, that... Having, like, a batshit crazy boss who just promotes you for no fucking reason is literally corporate America. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I thought that was pretty realistic. And having it so, like, all of a sudden all your coworkers hate you because your boss has inexplicably decided he likes you better than everyone else. Like, that's real. That's straight up real life. Well, and I loved the little little tidbits we got. Like, at the beginning of the episode, Will is, like, in charge of the birthday cards. And, like, there's a squabble over who gets to go to the opera. You know, and... That feels very real Yeah, to that's me. very real. Like, the last couple of times we've seen Will at the office, it's been really tied up in the Ben set plot lines, yep. which weren't as fun because they weren't stuff like that, like little minutia. Like, the minutia is what's funny about corporate America, I think. Right. Like, previous Will's work episodes are really stuck on, like, high-level stuff. Like, Will will get the job. Can he keep this high account? Why is Grace dancing on a table with Ben set? Right. Like, I'm- really big-picture stuff. Right, so I guess from that respect, I did enjoy seeing Will kind of get stuck babysitting the crazy boss and benefiting from it, but those benefits right. sort of backfiring. Right, and it it kind of works well because it shows how much everyone at work is part of a delicate ecosystem, and like once you disrupt the ecosystem, everything falls apart. 
office grandma gets fired. The opera tickets don't go to the right person. Mm-hmm. Will gets peed on. Yes. Yep. Like, that's a realistic scenario that could happen in any office when something big changes. Even if Gene Wilder isn't the big change. Also, um, because of the unfortunate existence of gendered bathrooms, I can confirm to you that I have definitely walked into a bathroom and seen one of my bosses completely losing their shit in there. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, God damn it, Marilyn, I just wanted to pee and wash my hands, (laughs) and now I'm dealing with this whole thing about your divorce. Yeah. That's not good. No. I also like this episode because I think Will, as an evil corporate lawyer, is kind of brilliant. Frankly, I think the show should just embrace the fact that Will is a bad person at work yeah. and a good person at home. Like, I mean, we've talked, not as much lately since it's gotten canceled, but we talked a bunch about difficult people on this podcast. Yes. And for us, that show really worked because it gave its Will and its Grace the freedom to be bad people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Will and Grace does that nearly often enough. I agree. No, I think you're completely right. That was one of the things that I enjoyed most about Difficult People is they just allowed their characters to embrace their pettier sides. And I think that work is definitely a place where that probably comes out for Will, Mm -hmm. but we see it so rarely that we don't really get a good sense of what his work personality is. If this episode was done with a more Billy Eichner gay man, like we wouldn't see Will... Will isn't really conflicted over taking the office. He kind of is like, no, don't do it. But then it happens. I feel like in that setting, like, the Will slash Billy Eichner character will be like, oh, now I can get the corner office that I've always wanted. I can get that bitch Grandma Joan fired, you know? Right, because if this had been difficult, people, like, Billy's character would have hated the office grandma. Right. And would have totally used the crazy boss to his advantage. And because that's just what real people do. I feel like that tone would have fit better in a lot of ways. Yeah. I feel like Will's just sort of, like, passive acceptance of this was just not accurately explained. Like, I straight up am sitting there going, I don't understand why he's putting up with this. I understand the guy is his boss, but this is nuts. Well, like, it feels very much like Will's the person dealing with this situation because Will is the main character. Not for any real reason, you know? Right. I don't know. There's nothing about Will that I think Gene Wilder actually likes other than that he was physically there when he was freaking out. Right, he was just the guy in the bathroom. It could have just as easily been the dude with the opera tickets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of why I just didn't care for it. I was just like, well, this could happen on literally any show. Yeah, I'll give you that. And what I like about Will and Grace is that specific Will and Grace-ness. Admittedly, if they kept that plot line about him being in love with the guy, that definitely could have helped. Gene Wilder put them together and made their faces smush together. Yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been very romantic. I would love to get set up by Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder, if you're out there in the spectral realm listening, please. He genuinely forgot he was dead. Uh, No, I knew he was dead. Okay. If you're out there in the spectral realm, please feel free to set me up by making me press smushy face against another dude. Thanks. You go, buddy. Gosh, I hope having two wives in heaven is working out for him. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he have two dead wives? Mm-hmm. Sad. Sometimes I confuse him with Dr. Seuss, and I'm not really sure why. Let's not linger on that. <laughs> the, I just uh... think that Dr. Seuss also has two dead wives, doesn't he? Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go into that. The B-plot this episode is also pretty weird, and I think in this point, Tess and I are in a bit more of an agreement. It that- sucks. It's not that it sucks. It's boring. I feel like it has the opposite problem of Gene Wilder, which is that, like, with Gene Wilder, you let him in a room and he does whatever he wants. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like with this, like, you have one single joke, and you know what that joke is. You know and it really well. Hit the it joke really is hard. Karen has been cut off, and she has to live in her limo. Yes. And that's really funny. For a minute. Yeah. And, like, the episode, instead of letting that joke just be a joke, it stretches into a plot line. Which doesn't work. So you've got Karen living in the limo basically the whole episode. Yep. Then you've got Grace and Jack talking about how they're so sad about it. Uh-huh. Then you've got Grace and Jack going to the limo and saying, we're never leaving the limo. Until you come home with one of us. Spoiler alert, they leave the limo. Pretty much immediately. But then it turns out that Karen decides to stay with them. And then the moment she decides to stay with them, Stan stops cutting her off. Right, and I don't really understand what the impulse to cut her off was in the first place. I mean, okay, so the understanding I have with that is because she up and left him for him being a cheating jerk. Right. He cut her off, but then... But then caved because yeah. of reasons? He had no reason to. Yeah, other than he like, just caved. That's that's literally the only reasoning we get. Rosario runs into Grace and Will and kind of Jack's apartment and goes, right. uh, that Stan caved and we're going to go. Right. And... There's so much to do with that that I am surprised that they took such a simple route. Right. I mean, honestly, I think the funniest part of this plot line is the recurring joke about Will and Grace having a, what is it, a oscillating or vibrating shower head or something? Yes. And so the implication being... It's pulsating. The pulsating shower head. Everyone's masturbating with it. Right. And so Karen comes out of the bathroom. She's like, that shower head got a little fresh with me. And then she takes the towel off her head and her hair is perfectly dry and done. And everyone's like, how did you? And she's like, money. And that's... Right, right. That's the funniest part of this plot, I think. I just, I don't understand why the show kept leaning on this one-note joke that was never really going to improve. Like, it doesn't get any funnier that Karen is staying in this limo. Right. And I mean, also, there's something to really be said culturally about the fact that we're laughing at a rich woman for becoming homeless. Right. Like. There's way too much at play there. And it's, it's weird because she's only homeless because she's too proud to move in with Will or in Grace or Jack. Right, but like instead of doing anything interesting with that, we just see Grace and Jack can be like, "Come on, Karen, move in with us." Well, and I just, I don't understand why they didn't think it would be funnier to have her move in with them. I completely agree. Like, I would have really loved to see that situation comedy where they kind of had a three's company in like, for Karen a few is days. The only character who doesn't live in the building now. Right. I don't understand why the obvious solution isn't just for her to move into the building, not just for this episode, but for several episodes. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would why been... would you build a new set that is the inside of this limo when you could just not do that? Right. Exactly. They could just very easily have her staying on someone's couch yeah. or in one of the rooms. Like, like I'm not even sad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, it just, I feel like that plot had so much potential to be funny and instead it wasn't. Yes, and it just, I don't understand the choices that the writers made at all because they they had a golden opportunity in one hand and they threw it away and they shoved Karen in a limousine for one episode. Yep. And now nothing is going to be different. And mm-hmm. I... I understand that you want a sitcom reset, and obviously Karen and Stan are going to get back together. But I don't understand why, when you have the opportunity to shake up the narrative a little bit, you don't just take it. Because they're too busy putting Gene Wilder in there, okay? Right, but... Their idea of shaking up the narrative is throwing in Willy Wonka for an episode. Oompa, doompa, doompa, dee, da. Okay, let's talk about the fact that the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie is a terrible adaptation of that book. But it's an amazing movie. Yeah, but the chocolate looks like literal shit. Yes, that's horrifying. It looks like a river of diarrhea. But it's it's a great example of how someone can see a book and then see a movie in it that doesn't look like a book. 
And I love that. I mean, think about The Prestige, one of the greatest movies of the 21st century. That's true. I just also didn't appreciate that they inexplicably weren't British. The children? Well, Charlie wasn't British, and neither were his grandparents, and neither was Willy Wonka. They're all British in the book. Yeah, you're right. Did the movie take place in Britain? No. Okay, well then that's why they weren't British. But that's dumb. Why do they have to Americanize everything? Because the movie Justice was made in... The movie was made in Justice! America! The movie was... For Britain! Oh my god. In the remake, the Freddie Highmore is British. Are you happy now? Yes. I mean, unfortunately, Johnny Depp plays with Willy Wonka, which is sort of like the worst possible scenario anymore. Yeah, admittedly, I am hoping that I live long enough to see copyright law become meaningless because of digital effects or holograms. Because then, 78-year-old Matthew can produce Willy, Charlie, Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. And that is a mashup of Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where all the kids are from the remake. Yes. But Gene Wilder's in the movie. I like it. I mean... Who, which Oompa Loompas are you going to keep, though? I think the classic Oompa Loompas. I agree. I think that would just be easier. The new Oompa Loompas are just one oh, guy. Oh, but I like the songs better in the other one. Hmm. You know what? That's why we'll do some filming. We'll cast some old-style Oompa Loompas to sing the new songs. There we go. Beautiful. They can sing the Oompa Loompa song one time, for nostalgia's sake. Oompa Loompa Doompa Doo. That's it. That's all I have for this. No, episode. I don't have anything. All else. right, Matthew. We sang the Oompa Loompa song. We called out to the spectral figure of Gene Wilder to get me laid. Karen is not homeless anymore. I don't know what you want from us. All right, Matthew, do you want to tell them where they can find us on the internet? All right. If you want to tell us what you want from us, the best place to start is on Twitter. We are at Not A Couple Show. You could also send us an electronic mail at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, other places to send a communique might be Tumblr, or perhaps our Facebook page. You can also find our podcast on Podbean and iTunes. <laughs> okay, that's all we have this episode. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. Bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Now, Hi, Eliza. This week's episode of Not a Couple was brought to you by our terrifying remake of Willy Wonka slash Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Coming to you summer 2067, Willy slash Charlie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's horrible.